Thank you for downloading the latest podcast from Reconnection Youth, a ministry of Faith Christian Fellowship Church in Buffalo, West Virginia. For more information, visit us on the web at reconnectionyouth.com.
And so I'm being consumed with zeal. I'm being consumed with, we heard the word passion. Let me give you the actual uh, complete definition of this. And to be perfectly honest, we hit it. Every one of us hit it. Warmth of feeling. This is, the, this is from the Bible. This is from the strong concordance. The word zeal. Means warmth of feeling, desire, heat, fervor, passion, and to be on fire. It's actually the word, it's not fire specifically, it's boiling. It's to be so hot you're boiling. Which that's fire. You can't get hot without fire, right? It boil without fire. But listen, it also means to be jealous or to covet earnestly. To want something so bad. Now you can take it in a negative. Man, I'm looking at Jake's watch right now. I really want that watch. Man, I want that watch so bad. I can't live without that watch. i got to have that watch. That's zeal. In a negative context. Because what do I want? I want something that belongs to somebody else. That's wrong. But if I have a zeal and a passion, when I see that my enemies don't even know the word of God, and there's this something that just begins to stir in the inside of me. It begins to consume me because my enemies don't know. But what's the problem with that? Who expects people who don't know God to know God's Word? That's not something you would normally expect, right? But the problem is this. As I'm reading this scripture, this is what dawns on me. The reason his enemies don't know what God's Word is because the people who know God's Word aren't speaking it. Mm-hmm. Because if I was speaking God's word to my enemy, my enemy would know God's word. Yeah. So I'm not upset per se that my enemy doesn't know God's word. I'm upset that people who should be speaking God's word aren't. Think about David for a second. How many of you know David and Goliath? I think I've ever. I don't think I've ever taught a message in this room without ever talking about David. I really don't. I honestly go back and read or listen to him. They probably all have David in them. David. <laughs> doesn't kill Goliath with a rock. David kills Goliath with a word. David stands up and says, Who is this uncircumcised, uncovenanted person who does not know God, Philistine, to stand against the people who do know God, who are in covenant with God? He doesn't stand a chance because he's not in covenant. David knew the word. So by the word of God, David killed the Philistine. He said, I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to cut off your head. And David didn't even have as much as a knife in his pocket when he said But he had the word of God. And he let the enemy know in advance. Do you think the Philistines after that day knew the word of God? They knew it. Because somebody stood up to proclaim. So the fire, my, my zeal has eaten me up because my enemies don't know the word of God. So here's my question to you guys today. When was the last time that zeal for God consumed you? When was the last time that you were ever eaten up with zeal for him? For his word? For his ministry? For his church? For his house? When was the last time that it just painfully hurt you to see something go on that you knew was not right with God. I'm talking you saw it and just the pit of your stomach just turned. That's wrong. Listen, we can get to a point where we're just kind of conditioned to just see it and move on. 
I'll be honest with you. The first time I heard that there was a shooting in South Carolina, you know what I did? Scroll to the next news story. Because I've been so ingrained, I've become, what's the word they use? Uh, desensitized. Very good. I've been desensitized to that sort of violence. Oh, that's just what happens. Right? That's just another in a long list of bad things that happened that day. And we become so desensitized, we don't understand or we fail to realize that we should have a, there should be a zeal that rises up. I should be eaten up with this thing. Somebody would come against people who are standing for the Lord in such a way, there's a burning passion inside of me. Nuh-uh. I will not allow this to happen. I will not allow my enemies to continue to go on not knowing the Word of God. So I will proclaim the Word of God. Whether they want to or not, whether they want to listen or not, they're going to hear what God's Word says. Because this thing has to start coming from you. It's got to start bubbling up. This zeal, this passion, this desire to see right things happen and wrong things become right. Yeah. And it's got to start inside of us. Listen, I'm going to stir us up today. More than anything else, I want to get stirred up in this thing. I look around, I see a lot of people who have so much intelligence. I see people who have uh, strengths in so many different areas and influence in so many areas. If we could just catch just a little zeal. Yeah. If we could just let just a little zeal invade. I'm not talking love. I'm not talking feelings. I'm talking about something that rises up out of you and says, no, I won't stand for that anymore. That's what zeal is. Hebrews 12, uh, verse 27. Let's look at that real quick. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 27. It says this, and this word yet once more signifies the removing of those things that are shaken, and of the things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Verse 28. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Verse 29. This is what I want to go to. For our God is a consuming. That's the theme of Fusion Camp this year. God is a consuming fire. What were the two things we just read about in the book of Psalms? We read about the fact that zeal has what? What's it say? Go back and look at that, Katie. My zeal has what? Consumed. God is a consuming fire. And what does zeal mean? It means to bubble up and boil with heat. God is the author of zeal. When I have zeal for something that belongs to God, it's not my zeal. It's actually his zeal. It's the thing that he's placed on the inside of me. There's no reason for me to get worked up over people I don't know in a state I don't know. In a church I've never been to, there's no reason naturally for me to get so bent out of shape over that. But there's a zeal that rises up, not of my own natural ability, but the thing that God has placed in me because God is a consuming fire. And so by having God, by definition, that means I have to be consumed with the things of God. And I get hot under the collar. How many of you have ever been mad before? 
Let me ask you a better question. How many have you been mad and you've been right to be mad? Every time. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> Don't you know the difference? There's sometimes that you're mad and you know you're wrong, and that makes you even madder. Like I'm sitting here, I'm mad and I'm wrong, and I shouldn't be mad because I'm wrong. But there's other times that you're mad and you're dead on. Like I'm mad and I'm right to be mad, and that kind of even makes me happy even though I'm still mad. Like I know that I'm right, that I'm right. Listen, that's what happens when you have the zeal of the Lord come upon you. Like you're so, it's not that you're angry, but there's such a passion and desire to see the right thing happen, and you know you're right because it's His zeal and not yours. You know, there's no possible way that something like this would come out of you. And so it's, oh man, I want what He wants. I know I'm in the same page. I can feel God just coming. I know what He wants me to do, and I can do it because I know it's coming from Him. He's not going to give me something that I can't see actually happen. So I have a zeal. I have a righteous. I don't know what the right word there, but it's I feel righteousness come upon me. I really do. I'm praying in the Spirit, and I feel that God is just declaring things to me in West Virginia over people living in South Carolina. It's crazy. And I know I'm right, because I would never do that. I want a zeal for this camp, guys. I want us to well up, not for ourselves. I'm tired of myself. Listen. I, as a leader, I've gone to camp wanting God to talk to me. As a leader, I've known I've got things I need to take care of. God help me get through these things this week. I'm tired of walking into a camp that's supposed to be about seeing young people get right with the Lord and get things changed, worrying about myself. And you should be sick of walking into a camp worried about yourself. Because I ain't going to youth camp for me. You should not be going to youth camp for you. You should be going to youth camp because things that you used to be a part of, that God delivered you from, he's placed a zeal on the inside of you to see those things be eradicated in somebody else's life. I used to deal with this particular type of perversion. I don't deal with it anymore because God's taken that away from me. So I'm going to camp and I'm going to find every single person that's ever dealt with that thing and I'm going to get them right. There's a zeal. There's a passion. There's a desire that God places on the inside of us that says, don't be complacent and don't settle for you being free and that person over there not being free. Don't settle for that. So here's a story from the Bible. This is good. This is this is, the, this is a classic. This, this is good. Now go to Numbers. If you got a Bible, go to the book of Numbers. First time you've ever been there, I know. That's all right. When you get to Numbers, you'll find out there's a bunch of words. That's going to throw you off for a second. You think Numbers just will have words in it. Or Numbers in it. But it's got words too. Numbers 25. This is good. This is what I'm telling you. Listen, some of y'all think the Bible's just... Oh, the Bible. Well... Alice, read. This, this is good. Let's start with verse 1 in there. Yeah. Okay. All right. How many, are we old enough, are we old enough to talk adult language for a second? I was told I have more tact than I used to have. I don't know if I'll get there. This, this is a crazy story. I'm telling you. Listen to this. Numbers chapter 25. Let me paint you a picture. Israel's come out of Egypt. Moses is leading them through the wilderness. 
they started intermingling with other people who believe other things. Easy enough to follow along? They're not supposed to do that. Okay? Look what it says in verse uh, 1. Now Israel remained in Acacia Grove, and the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. Do I need to explain what harlotry means? We good there? Men and women doing things they shouldn't do with people they shouldn't do. Okay? They invited the people to sacrifice of their gods. That's a little g. And the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So there's two things that the Israelites are doing here that ain't cool. Number one, they're messing around with people they shouldn't be messing around with. Number two, they're praying to the gods of the people that they had no business messing around with. Guess why they weren't supposed to get with them? Because God knew if you get with those people, you'll do what they do. Mm -hmm. Right? How many of you know if you don't drink, but you hang out with people who drink all the time, you will end up drinking? 100% guaranteed. You don't smoke weed, but every one of your friends smokes pot. You are going to end up smoking pot. Because if you hang out with it long enough and you get around somebody long enough, well, I don't know why. You know, she's a good girl. She smokes a little bit, but she's pretty and she's nice and I like her, so I'm going to date her. Guess what? You're going to end up doing what she does. It's a biblical principle. It's, it's an earthly principle, but it's in the Bible a hundred million times. God, God's like, don't do that. Don't do that. It's going to mess you up. You're going to have problems. You're going to do it. You have problems. God, why do I have these problems? Man, I'm glad I'm not God. You should be glad I'm not God. Right? I mean, everybody in this room should be absolutely head over heels in love with the man who did not make me in charge. Because I would slap you upside the face and say, come on, what's wrong with you? I done told you not to do that. God says, come here. Yeah. Wraps his arms around you. Yeah. Forgives you. Restores you. Says, please, don't do that again. And then when you go do it again, what's God do? Come here. That's God. Yeah. That ain't me. Yeah. Okay? Anyway. <laughs> so Israel was joined to Baal. It says they were joined to Baal. Baal was the God that they were praying to. They were joined to him. And the anger of the Lord was roused. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders before the Lord out in the sun. That the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to the judge of Israel, Every one of you kill his men who were joined to Baal at Peor. Pretty crazy. And indeed, one of the children of Israel came to him and presented. Now, in the midst, listen, they've gathered. This is why I'm trying to paint this picture for you. We're all gathered together talking about the one thing we're not supposed to do anymore. Listen, here's the thing. You do what you're not supposed to do, you're going to get in trouble. So let's not do that thing anymore. That wouldn't be a great thing to do, would it? Would it be, let's just not do it anymore. And while you're saying that to the congregation, somebody literally shows up doing the thing you're saying don't do. I'm a classroom teacher. Please, for right now, could you just not talk? Could you just not be on your phone? I'm asking you not to be on your phone. Now turn around and the guy's on his phone while I'm saying don't be on your phone. You don't think that just eats at me? <clears throat> you're doing the thing as I'm saying don't do it. Have you been there? you understand what I'm trying to get out here? In the midst of saying, don't do things with Midianite women. I, can't, I don't know how to say it any better than this. A guy shows up with a Midianite woman and takes her to his tent. Right in the middle of everybody. So everybody can see. It's a Bible. Now listen to what happens. It was in the middle of the congregation, 
the children of Israel who were weeping at the door of the tabernacle meeting. Now when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he rose from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand. Now that's when you know things are getting ready to get good. He ain't trying out for the Olympics. Right? I mean, takes a javelin in his hand. And he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman through her body. And when he thrusts the javelin through their bodies, you guys are going to go home and mom's going to say, what y'all learn in church today? Well, these two people were doing something they shouldn't be doing in the bedroom and this guy came in with a javelin and he struck them both. One shot, skewer, bam, with a javelin. This is awesome. Not just a man, by the way, but a priest. <laughs> yeah. This ain't just average Joe on the road. This is the guy who, as soon as he gets done with this, is going in and worshiping God. In the, you know what I mean? In the temple. I'll, I'll be right back. Let me do something. Where's my jacket? Okay? But listen. As crazy as that sounds, listen to what happens. So the plague was stopped among the children of Israel. One man taking a javelin and saying, enough's enough. I'm tired of my people dying. I'm tired of these people living in ways they should not live anymore, and I'm going to take a stand and do something about it. The very next verse says 24,000 people died. He stood there. He was right. And yet he stood there and he watched as 24,000 of his brothers and his sisters died because of this thing that they were doing. And he stood up and he said, no, not anymore. Pretty crazy. Some of us would think that's probably not the most appropriate response. But in this situation, look what God says. Verse 10. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, has turned back my wrath for the children of Israel, because he was, what? Zealous with my zeal among them, so that I did not consume the children of Israel in my zeal. Therefore, behold, I give to him my covenant of peace and it shall be to him and his descendants after him a covenant of an everlasting priesthood because he was zealous for his God and made atonement for the children of Israel crazy stuff right there the Bible <clears throat> that book that everybody tells you that's just an old outdated no good book these people in the world try to tell you this thing the Bible has dudes spearing other dudes and God saying, cool. That's awesome. I was reading this this morning and I was praying. Uh, God speaks to me in weird ways. What's the guy's name that did this? You might catch that? Phineas. Phineas. Like, I woke up this morning and God said, hey, Ferb, I know what we're going to do today. We're going to stab somebody with a javelin. Like, that's what I felt. Like, I was like... <laughs> Aren't you a little young to be stabbing people with javelins? Why, yes. Yes, I am. But my point is, in his zeal, not his own zeal, 
but the zeal that produced from God himself, he took action. Now, we're in 2015 in the United States of America. That, that is not the appropriate reaction. But it was a different time under a different covenant. Do you understand? I'm not, when you tell your parents what you learned today, do not include that anytime somebody does something wrong, I'm supposed to get the javelin out. That's not what you're learning. And here's why. This is the point I want to bring to you. Go with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 106. I'm coming around. Psalms chapter 106. Verse 30. Is that okay? Is this good so far? Do y'all, I mean, anybody have some zeal rising up a little bit? Like just, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little pumped up about this thing now. I'm getting a little pumped up about God. I want, to start, I want to get the javelin. We're going to go outside and get the javelins in a little bit and have some competition. Okay, I mean, we're getting growled up. Let's get a little jacked a little bit, okay? But here's the, here's the deal. Psalms 106, <coughs> verse 30, probably a few verses ahead of it. Uh, let me tell you exactly how many verses ahead. Because this is David in the book of Psalms discussing what we just read. He's writing about it. And let's go to... 28, verse 28. They joined themselves also unto Baal, Baal Peor, in that who they were praying to, that was the God, right? The false God, and ate the sacrifices of the dead, verse 29. Thus they provoked him to anger with their inventions, and the plague break in among them. That's what we just read. The plague came in, 24,000 people died. But look what David says in verse 30. Then stood up Phineas and executed what? Judgment. <coughs> David says it in a different way here. He doesn't say then Phineas got a javelin and stabbed two people. He says David executed judgment and so the plague was stayed. The word judgment used here in the Hebrew is the word interceded or literally prayed. Phineas inter, became an intercessor when he took the javelin. Because whose zeal was it anyway? It was the zeal of the Lord. The zeal of the Lord came from God through Phineas to the people of Israel. Phineas interceded on behalf of the Israelites. Yeah. He said, enough's enough. I'm going to take it upon myself. Even though I'm right, I'm going to take it upon myself to fix the mess that they've gotten themselves in. Mm -hmm. He interceded on behalf of the Israelites. And when he executed that intercession, what happened next was that the plague was stayed. Verse 31. And that was counted unto him for righteousness unto all generations forevermore. Yeah. It was not the act, I need y'all to understand this, it was not the act of thrusting a javelin between people that made Phineas righteous. It's that he stood in the gap. It's that with the zeal 
and the passion and the fervor and the fire of Almighty God, he stepped in and said, I will not allow this to go on anymore on my watch. Yeah. Not going to do it anymore. The zeal of the Lord has consumed me. The zeal of the Lord has consumed me. And I will not allow it to go on anymore. So let me break this verse down. Like I said, we're almost done. What does zeal do? I'm, I'm focusing here on these two verses, Psalms 106 and, and uh, 30 and 31. So go back to 30 for me real quick. The number one thing that zeal, that God's zeal will do is it will cause you to stand up to injustice. Yeah. Look what he says, the very first thing. Then what? Stood up. Stood up, Phineas. The very first thing that happened when Phineas had the zeal of the Lord begin to well up inside of him, he stood up. He said, no. What was the very first thing? The Bible doesn't say that David had zeal in the scripture with Goliath. But what was the first thing he did when he saw Goliath down there saying things he shouldn't say? He stood up. What's the Bible say in Ephesians? We're supposed to do when we've done everything we possibly can on our own to stay in ourselves. We still do what? We stand. With the zeal of the Lord burning on the inside of us, the very first thing we should do is stand up. Stand up in the face of the things that you know are binding your friends, are binding your family. Man, I got family that don't believe in God. I got family that are in, into witchcraft. I got family that are doing drugs. I got family that's doing that, that's drinking alcohol, that are alcoholics. Family that's beating on each other. I got family, I got friends that are doing these other things. It's time, with a zeal of the Lord, to stand up. Yeah. That's number one. That's easy to do. Stand up. We haven't done anything yet. What have we done? We stood up. We said, hold on. That's not cool. I don't want to deal with that anymore. I don't want you to deal with this. Listen, this is not, a, if you got something going on in your life, let's take care of that. But this is not a message for me. This is a message for me to do something for somebody else. Do you all get this? Yeah. This is our challenge. This is our cry. This is our decree. This is our uh, marching orders as we go into a place of camp and summer and the ministries that we're all going to be coming across in the next couple weeks and months and years. Stand up with the zeal of the Lord behind you. Not your own. If you're in your own stuff, you're going to fall down. Man, that really makes me mad. Go ahead and sit down. Did you see Pat and Pastor Paul was talking about gay marriage? If gay marriage makes you mad, sit down. Don't stand up and talk about why you think it's wrong. But if it's something that God's placed on you, you see the, can, you, can you hear the difference? You see the difference? This is something, this is not right in the eyes of God. This thing, because of this scripture here, says this is not right. This scripture says I should not believe this way. Because of the things that God has said, now I will stand up. But because Grandpa didn't like it, sit down. <laughs> if you've ever been told all of that type of folk do this, sit down. You're not thinking right. Grandpa didn't really like black people too much. So when I see somebody, I automatically kind of think something wrong is going on. Go ahead and sit down. That ain't gone. Yeah. 
I'm talking about being righteous. I'm talking about something that you know you wouldn't think on your own. There's no way you could commit yourself to doing something on your own, and yet at the same time, sitting there just doesn't seem right. Now we stand up. Now we have the zeal of the Lord just begin to burn on the inside of us. That's number one. Number two, zeal begins to promote intercession. The very next thing. Now listen, I'm going to tell you this. This is practical. This may seem crazy and a little spiritual, but it's practical. After you've stood up, the very next thing you should not do is open your mouth towards somebody else. Well, God doesn't think that's right. I'm going to go tell him. No, it's him. You stand up for God, and immediately you begin talking to God. You intercede. It's not time for me to deal with Kyle just yet. It's not time for me to deal with the thing that's going on in his life just yet. It's time for me to pray. Yeah. It's time for me to intercede. Now, for Phineas, it was time to get the javelin. Because that's what intercession was in the Old Testament. But now we have a new covenant with better promises. Amen? Yeah. we got a better covenant built on better promises. And God says we don't have to pick a javelin up to intercede between yeah. God and man. We can stand in the gap with the zeal of the Lord rising up on the inside of us. And we can say enough is enough. I will not allow this to go on in my family anymore. And if i got to pray 30 minutes, I'll pray 30 minutes. If i got to pray an hour, I'll pray an hour. If it's got to be two hours every day for the rest of my life till I'm on my deathbed, I'm going to intercede on this because the zeal of the Lord has consumed me. That's good whether you want to believe it or not. That's a good word right there. Amen. The zeal of the Lord has consumed me. David literally says in that scripture, 106.30, executed judgment literally means he prayed. He came in the gap between man and God. He interceded on their behalf. The zeal of the Lord. Number three, after you're caused to stand up, you've stood up because of the zeal, you've begun to intercede, you've begun to pray. Number three, zeal produces mountain-moving faith. The zeal of the Lord is going to cause you to believe things can happen that on your own you could not believe could happen. Here's the point I'm trying to make with this. What happened after he executed judgment? The plague stopped. Where in Scripture has God ever said, if you take a javelin and stab two people, I will quit having people die? Find it. There's nothing there. But there's faith that if I stand up and do what's right in God's eyes, if I take my rightful place as an intercessor on behalf of the people, I can speak to things that don't look like anything can possibly change, and I can watch them change. Because the faith that's on the inside of me is no longer my faith, it's God's faith. It's that special faith that that 1 Corinthians talks about that's just good. I'm talking being in your ministry. Kyle can attest to this. Adam can attest to a few of you guys. Jared's prayed for folks. Bree's prayed for folks before. Candace, you guys. Zoe. There's times when you see somebody that's hurt 
and you pray for him, and you say, God, I want you to heal this arm. Please pray for this arm. I pray that it's going to be healed in Jesus' name. And you're saying the words, and you have the faith that it can happen. You believe that it can happen, but it's you praying, and it's your faith. There's times when it's you, and God can work that way. God does work that way. But then there's other times. Am I right? There's other times when God says, stick your arm up in the air. And you'll be healed. That ain't Adam. Adam didn't come up with that revelation. The faith stepped in. Above and beyond. God's faith. Zeal. Why should this person be standing there and his arm do this all the time? God, that's not right. That's not what your people are supposed to do. I don't want that. Zeal. Ooh, that feels good. God, I begin to pray. Pray in the spirit. All of a sudden, God says, Adam, if you will tell him to raise his arm in the air, he'll be healed. So now what happens? It's not Adam's faith anymore. Adam's done with his faith. This is crazy now. Here's what God says. Put your arm up there. You'll be healed. Puts his arm up in the air. He's done. Perfectly healed. That night. Are y'all with me? Where does it start? It doesn't start because I had a thought. It doesn't start because I had a great idea. It doesn't start because I was conditioned and trained to think some way. It starts... Because the zeal of the Lord begins to rise up on yeah. <clears throat> And it consumes me. Yeah. I don't ever want to see injustice go by without me stepping in and doing something about it. Yeah. Maybe I don't have the ability in my own power to see abortion completely wiped off of the face of the earth. But I'll never know if I don't let God Build me up with zeal. Yeah. I'll never know if I don't ever stand in the gap. I'll never know if I don't ever take action based on the faith that he puts in me, not my own. I'll never know. Yeah. Adam and Jill still probably pray for a baby if the zeal of the Lord wouldn't have rose up someday. You say, I can't, doctor, but the Bible says I can. And so faith that I didn't even have I'm not speaking my faith. I'm speaking the word of God. Here comes the bed. Bobby Fleck, you weren't even praying to get saved. But somebody else had zeal of the Lord. John Fleck had some zeal. Amen. John Fleck had some zeal on Sunday mornings. He had this thing welling up on the inside of him. He didn't know what it was from, but he saw some injustice going on. He saw a son that was out on drugs doing things he shouldn't be doing. And that was not right, and it was not going to happen in my house. No, no, no. I'm not going to let this happen anymore, so I'm going to stand in the gap. And I can't go to Bobby and say, Bobby, you're going to take that needle away now. You're not going to be able to use this anymore. Okay, go sit and time out. I can't do that, but what I can do is stand right here, and I can pray, and I can intercede, and I can declare that he is free of drugs in the name of Jesus through yeah. a faith that ain't mine. Yeah, that's good. It ain't my faith. And guess what happens? The mountain moves. Yeah. In Jesus' name. Yep. The mountain moves. And long-haired hippie over here has no clue why. <laughs> he just knows some Baptist dude knocking his door one day say, hey, you want to get saved? Yeah, I think I do. <laughs> and that, that's exactly what happened. Am I right? <laughs> Sitting in his house Minding his own business, having no nothing to do with God. And here comes back this dude from across the river. Knock, knock, knock. Hey, you ever heard of Jesus? Yeah. Want to get saved? Yeah. He comes to church. You want to go to the Holy Ghost? Yeah. Sure. That sounds good. That sounds good. Yeah, I'll do that. Lives change. 
Because somebody had some zeal. Yeah. That's good. Somebody had some zeal. Number four. Here's the this, not, like that was good already. Okay, that's great. You stood up. You've interceded. You've had faith that can move mountains, and you watch those mountains fall. And then on top of all that, if that wasn't good enough, zeal gives righteousness to your account. Hmm. You get a job. At some point, you're going to have such a big job that they're going to say, hey, why don't we put your money in your account right away and give me a check? You do a direct deposit. That's what you do. So you do your work. You do it right, you do it good, and every two weeks, you wake up, and you check your phone, and there's money where there didn't used to be money. It's been added to your account. So wait a minute, God. You mean all I have to do is stand up for righteousness and intercede on behalf of others and speak to the mountains that they don't even know need moved, and I speak to them and I see them move, and they're free, God. They're the ones that are free, and I get the deposit in my account. That's good. Come on. Yeah. I'll take some of that. Who wants to have some who wants to have a deposit? Amen. Yeah, I want to come to God. I want to I want that, that, that last day in that throne room I'm standing in front of God Almighty and he says, Well let's see what you got in the back. <laughs> This is a pretty impressive portfolio you have. 401k, stock options. And I see here that you were able to cast three demons out of somebody. I see here that your friends that used to be oppressed are no longer oppressed because of the love that you have for them. I see here that the zeal that I placed in you, you, you were a good steward of that zeal. And you stood in the gap for folks, and you saw their lives be changed, yeah. and you saw love and grace and mercy come into their lives, and you brought them into the kingdom of God. Yeah. And that's all right here on your account. Good job. Come on in. Mm -hmm. Man, I'm not telling you that's the motivation, but that's a great side effect. <laughs> great job. I mean, I am glad. Listen, I would be glad... If, you know, Adams will build a house. If I knew how to do anything house building wise, if I could come over to him and help him build his house, I could walk away saying, man, this was great. I was able to, he's got a house now, and I helped do that. But he slips $100 in my in my pocket, and I don't even know about it. I go home, and I got a $100 bill too. He's got a house, and I got 100 bucks. That's better. <laughs> come on. He might not think it's better. Am I right? It's better. If you've got something, and I've got something too, it's better than if just one of us has one. Yeah. That's not why I do it, but it's a blessing that comes yeah. from doing the right thing. Yeah. Man, who wants, who wants to be cursed all the time? <laughs> I just hope I, I just want to. I just want to. I want to wake up today and worry about whether I'm going to eat. That sounds like a plan. I would like to really not know that I'm going to make my payment on my house. I would. I would like to wake up tomorrow and have my house foreclosed on. Honestly, that'd be the greatest thing ever. Because then I wouldn't have to eat. I wouldn't have to worry about any of this. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants cursings. We want blessings. But it all starts with having a heart for somebody else. Last one. Then we're closing, I promise. I told you that how long ago. You got one more. I got my counter over here. It's been 20, actually, so I know you weren't counting too much. Listen a little bit. Number five. Okay, so let's go over this again. What does zeal of the Lord do? First up, I stand. Second, I begin to intercede on somebody else's behalf. 
Third, I begin to speak to those mountains and watch them move in a faith that I didn't know I had. Then righteousness begins to come upon me in God's eyes. And number five, and this one, even better than all the others, in my opinion, it doesn't just end with you. Yeah. Look what it says. It was counted to him unto righteousness for what? All generations. All generations forevermore. In Numbers, it says this. It calls him a royal priesthood forever. Yeah. That means your son and his 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 great-great-great-great-great-grandson and then his great-grandson and then the son after him and then the one after that one and the one after that one and the one after that one and then ten more later, they get the same righteousness accounted to them that you got today. Blessing and honor and glory forever. Forever. You don't want to stand up for somebody else. Stand up for somebody else for your kids. Let's not make it about us at all. I want somebody else to be delivered so that my kids can walk in righteousness. So that my kids can be blessed. So their kids can be blessed. So that the name Pickerel or the name Jividen or the name Simmons, the name Bales, will live with I know a lot of you guys haven't read a lot in church history, but if I say names like Wigglesworth, does that even mean anything to anybody? If you know who Wigglesworth is, it means something. Right? Yeah. If I say uh, Wesley. John Wesley, that means something to somebody. I say Brother Hagin, Kenneth Hagin, that means something to somebody. Names that provide legacies. Yeah. All start with just a little stuff. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you, Lord, just loving on you, God. I thank you, Lord, for the passion, for the desire, for the zeal that I know that you're stirring in this room right now, Lord God. That we are coming to you, Lord, not focused on ourselves and our issues and our past and our problems, God. But we're focused on a zeal that we want you, if you haven't already, God, just a place on the inside of us, God. I'm speaking right now, Lord, as we close our eyes. Lord, this is what I believe. I believe that right now as we close our eyes, you are bringing to our attention a person or a situation that we deal with continually. And God, this is what I believe, that the zeal of the Lord for that situation is rising up in us today. God, I believe as you place that zeal, that desire to see those things change, God, that you allow us to follow these steps to see it accomplished, God, that will stand up to injustice, that will seek your face in the matter, God, that will intercede on behalf of these folks, God, that will begin speaking to the mountains that are deal that are binding them and causing those situations to take place, God, that will see those things removed in the name of Jesus, and that because of that, Lord God, we will receive something in our accounts, not only for ourselves, but our kids, Lord God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for those things you're placing on our minds right now. It's not something that man's worked up. It's not something that they thought on their own. God, this is you. It's a wrong that needs to be made right, and you've given us the power to see it through, God. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Thank you, God.
We hope you enjoyed the message and would love to hear from you. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter to stay up to date with all the latest news and events. Until next time, God bless.